Welcome to another edition of First Word from First Church. This is Pastor Dave Buchanan at the First Church in Sutton. Please enjoy the message and may God bless you richly through it. Our first reading this morning is from Numbers 21, verses 4 through 9. And the people became impatient on the way, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he takes away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Our second message this morning is from 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 21. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. And our gospel lesson this morning is from John 3, verses 13 through 17. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Here ends our message. Praise be to God. Thank you, Barbara. When we use what we call a caduceus in American medical systems, it often has the, the wings on the staff and the entwined two serpents. And I gotta admit, it's the Army Institute of Heraldry, I think it's because they like symmetrical insignia. Pick that one as the, the staff for the medical corps. And when I was a young lieutenant, I went to Germany and I found a young sergeant at one of our training sites in the German army. And she was wearing the, the staff with a single snake. And of course, I didn't have Google way back when, but I since learned that that's the right one for medical. The other one is the, the staff of Hermes, the messenger in the Greek pantheon of deities. So, oh well. We still use the symbol. That symbol, if you think about it, 
God was angry and sent fiery serpents, and the people said to Moses, we repent. Please convey our repentance to God and take away the snakes. God in his wisdom didn't take away the snakes, did he? That would have been the easy route. He gave them a symbol, and the problem the rabbis have had for generations is one of the Ten Commandments, like right up in the beginning of the list, is don't make any graven images to worship. And what's the risk if you can be healed by looking on this image of a serpent on a staff held up above the people and be healed? Got a graven image and you're looking at it. The reminder was of God's love, of God's mercy, of God healing even from the serpents he'd sent. Now, as you can imagine, over the generations, the fear that the rabbis had about a graven image came to be when the snake became an object of worship and the priests had to destroy it some generations later. God wasn't real pleased that the, the symbol got twisted that way. But I think in, in America more and more, especially for your EMS insignia, vehicles, uniforms, and whatnot, we see the single serpent. I don't know how many people wearing it have a clue that it goes back to the book of Numbers and God's mercy to the Hebrew people through Moses. We talked with the youngsters about lifting up another symbol. And that symbol has become, now it could have been in modern terms we could wear a hangman's noose or an electric chair or some symbol of a firing squad, not sure what that would be. That's what the cross was. It became a symbol of great love. And it's easy to say, oh, that's our symbol. We're Christians, it's our love. But John made it very, very plain that the Son of Man must be lifted up and looked to. Yes, there's the imagery that many in the congregation he was speaking to, I think all of them at that point, the disciples were of Jewish heritage, they all would have gotten the message and the picture. And he says we have to look to Jesus Christ. And then he gives a message that, that counters because it's easy to say, oh, well, God required blood for forgiveness of our sins and, and, and Jesus had to die because God required death. And then people say, oh, God was angry until Jesus came. That's where people look at an Old Testament God and the New Testament God and say they're different. The Old Testament God was the one who, who put a symbol of his love amidst the people that they might be healed and live. And he put a symbol amidst his people again, but this time he expanded his people. God so loved the world. Can you tell me whom is excluded by that statement? Who is excluded? I got who. Whom was the wrong one. Dennis is shaking his head. What do you think, Dennis? Who's excluded by that statement? Nobody. Nobody. God loves, and, and one wiser writer than I said, God loves each and every one of us and the whole world, and he loves each of us as if we were the only one. The only one. When I was visiting and there's some pretty strict rules in some faiths, and this doctor 
guy who wore the staff and serpent, Moroccan doctor in the army, was telling us a story one evening during social time about his seven-year-old daughter. And his seven-year-old daughter was learning things in the, the Muslim school, and she said, Daddy, is it true that Allah created everybody? Why, yes, dear, you learned that right. And is it true that he created Muslims and those who aren't Muslim? Yes. And that those who are Muslims will go to heaven and those who aren't will all go to hell? Yes, dear, that's what we're taught. Seven-year-old girl says to her daddy, who's a doctor, Daddy, that can't be right because Allah would not create all those people just to send them to hell. I congratulated him on the heart of his little girl. What a love to have. And we, we, we toasted his daughter there with some mint tea. And uh, just that kind of love. God so loved the entire world without any qualifiers attached that he gave his only son. And as Jesus said, I come not to erase the law, but to fulfill it. To fulfill the law that is God, and that law is love. God loved us first, and God loves the world, all of us, that much. That he sent his son, only son, begotten of the Spirit, and a young girl named Mary, who showed us how to live, how to love, how to heal, how to give, and finally how to suffer and die in faith to God the Father. Wow. And out of that suffering, we lift high the cross. By the way, when we sing that hymn, I picture the cadet chapel of... <laughs> almost 50 years ago. We always get a sophomore who's at least six foot four to carry the cross in front of the choir. And he didn't hold it up politely a, a foot off the floor. He held it about a foot of the staff and proceeded the choir into the chapel so that everyone in the chapel could be off the floor by then and could see the cross when we lifted it high. I still envision that. A symbol of love. Love, so much love. I've told a story before, but I don't think a couple of you heard it. We, Kathy and I, when I was still a layperson and teaching at West Point, were commissioned by the chaplain. We, we took it over from another officer couple. We ran a retreat weekend a couple of times a year for cadets and their fiancés who were going to get married in a cadet chapel. About a half of these couples were cadet, and cadet at this point, by the way, they'd be lieutenants on the day they got married. Figure it would happen. And uh, we held it at a, a Catholic convent up the river from West Point because, to be honest, the Protestant retreat centers were too expensive. And the sisters in that convent were wonderful hostesses to us. We dined with them in their cafeteria and whatnot. Some of our meetings were held in their beautiful little chapel and they had a nearly life-sized carving of the cross. And typical of their tradition more than ours, the body of Christ on the cross. Small difference if anybody asks you why. We focus on the empty cross because Christ is risen. Some focus on the suffering with a crucifix. Different parts of the story, that's all. 
And a young woman came to me, and she'd grown up in a southern, very Protestant church where they didn't have any kind of cross in the church. You know, Congregationalists didn't used to have crosses in their churches. We adopted that over a couple of centuries. And she came to me and said, Major B, um, can we find another room for our next meeting? I'm a little numb. I said, what's the matter, dear? I mean, it's a beautiful chapel. What, what's the problem? Well, I'm not used to seeing that, that body up there. So I talked to Sister Mary and said, um, help me here. She said, my sisters and I see that only as a symbol of love. And Sister Mary helped explain to that young woman, and the young woman said, I want our next meeting there then. She learned the meaning of the symbol, the meaning of the love. God loves first. God sent his son into the world. God acts in love. One has said in there, back in the letter of James or 1 John, says God is love. They equate it. So God loves the whole world first, no exception. He acts in love. He comes among us as his only son, because we know that is also God, to demonstrate, to teach, to die, to rise again, to show us and guarantee to us and prove to us this is not the final life. We have work to do. We have love to do. We have care to do in this life. But Jesus says there's a reward beyond. There's a life beyond in everyone who believes in him will share in that life. God did not send Jesus into the world to say, you're going to heaven and you're going to hell. I've seen a preacher do that to a congregation. It's one of the few I've ever walked out of, but I did a long time ago. I was a teenager. Not to condemn the world. It goes on after these verses to say, those who believe in him are already saved, and those who do not are condemned. There will be judgment someday. But the opportunity of that love is given to everyone, and that puts on each one of us. The word apostle, by the way, means ambassador, and that's what some of us are called to be. When we have the opportunity, we all may be called to be an ambassador at some point. That message of love is so important. The world fights against it. You see people hanging the banner, John 3.16, at baseball games or football games or other stadiums. And somebody gets all upset. They're offended by it. They don't want to have to believe. Take down the banner. Instead of freedom of speech, they want freedom from religion. Pray for them. My heart aches for anyone who can find a message like God loves you to be offensive. If you're feeling a little less loved on one day than another, or you have the opportunity to encourage, some, encourage someone, I've told you stories of, of folks that didn't feel lovable by God, read it to them again with a tear in your voice, with a tear in your eye and love to remind them that God loves the whole world without exception and seeks to save every single person from an aimless, sinful life, to fit them for life with him in eternity in heaven, 
This is regarded by many as the heart of the gospel, and I don't know a more pointed place or verse to remember than God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him might not perish, but have eternal life. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Thank you for having joined us for First Word from First Church. We pray that God has blessed you in some way, in his way, through the message that we have just shared with you. Please join us again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen and amen.